So it's like getting past the, even if it doesn't work, even if it's, even if this business fails, did you help these people get out of surgery? Did that woman testify that you saved her husband's life because he was on so many medications that the doctor told him he's got two months to live. It's not going to work. And then he lost 35 pounds of visceral fat and it stayed off. And now he's good to go and he's getting healthier every day. Is that one life worth it to you? That even if this business failed, would that have mattered? It mattered so much to me. So it was like, I can always be proud of that no matter what happens. And that's what kind of met me like shoulders back, posture up, I'm owning it. Whatever happens with this, I own it because these people matter. Welcome to the Powerhouse Women series on my Lead Like Her podcast. I am so excited to feature this badass babe today because this is where we get the real, raw, no filter stories of what she really had to do to overcome challenging experiences, how she really handled it, and who she needed to be at every obstacle to become the successful powerhouse woman that she is today. So no matter if you're listening to this and you're just starting or you're hitting those plateaus at that next level, I know how inspired you will be to keep moving forward with the insight to see courage through her lens. Because when you start your day, it's really the energetics of who you need to be that gets you to reach that six, seven, even eight figure business. Let's dive in. Okay. I am so ridiculously excited for this episode. You have no idea. Okay. This, this episode will not just be a conversation. Okay. It's going to be an epic conversation, but it's not just going to be a conversation. It's going to be like a whole experience because every time that I talk with this woman, we, it's just, it's an experience. We have just open raw, like no filter, which is everything that this series is about right now. Um, and so I know that you are going to fully enjoy this woman as much as I do. I shaved my legs for this. Okay. I'm going to fangirl out for this. This is like, this is a day. This is the day. You're not going to want to miss this. Okay. So sit down, grab your coffee um, to dive into it. Okay. I'm going to read over her bio just so that you get to know a little bit of the epicness that this woman has accomplished. And then we're going to get into the juicy, amazing stuff of her journey and the real and the raw. So this is my girl, fucking badass babe. She's she's such a bad bitch. Um, Sandra Hassley, uh, Canadian-born American, mother of four amazing children. I love that she puts amazing in there because <laughs> uh, works full-time as a business strategist, high-performance coach, two-time international bestseller, hello, uh, best-selling author, excuse me, keynote speaker, she has also been hired as a corporate consultant for multi-million dollar businesses for program development, keynote speaking, workshop creation, like this woman is boss. Um, she's the owner of Sandra Hassley and Co. Also a founding partner of several other companies that she's uh, done over the past or over 10 years, right? Um, she's worked with thousands of women from all over the world, passionate about guiding fearless big vibe women who are ready to expand more joyful and wealthier next levels. Love that. Uh, by teaching them how to multiply their income by working less and having way more fun. Let's be real. And using proven strategies along with even more powerful mindset. I am so, so, so excited to welcome you to the Powerhouse Women series on the Lead Like Her podcast. Girl, like... 
Thank you for having me. I am pumped to be here. This has been, is it Friday? Is it Friday? Is it Friday? All week it's long. A full moon. <laughs> it's a full moon day. Exactly. This is the best. I'm so happy. I'm, I'm just so excited because like I was saying, you know, every time we have a conversation, I feel like we geek out on so many things, but it's yeah. just the energy around it. And I just so want to have everyone not just experience you, but just the energy that I feel like we alchemize together, yes. which is yes. just, so we're going to nerd out a little bit on some stuff and you guys are all going to have the experience yes. of this roller coaster. Um, <laughs> but Buckle what up. I really, really want to dive into because your, your success speaks for itself, right? And what I feel like is so powerful for women, uh, no matter what stage, whether they're starting as an entrepreneur um, or any you know, career or entrepreneur in business, whether they're starting or whether they're hitting those plateaus at every certain level, right? Like there's all that in-between stuff of the challenges, the, the things you had to break through, who you needed to become at every level. And that's what I really want to dive in and just give those real raw experiences so that people can kind of see that courage through your lens and know mm-hmm. what's then possible to keep going. Cause we all kind of need that on the days. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, if I feel like we, you know, I say we, like I needed it too. You know, I needed those, um, I needed those stories to, to anchor into for other people. I needed to borrow those stories and their courage and their, their overcoming and their triumph because it seems like everybody else that's successful never felt pain. Like it, look at how happy they look, look at how, look at how much they've achieved. They couldn't have had the experience that I have because this feels like it's, on the decline. This feels like this is ending. This feels like there's no hope anymore. So how did they get to that level? Tell me that it's possible even when you've stepped in like, you know, a swamp pit or like quicksand and it feels like you can't get out. <laughs> you know, I wanted to swear. <laughs> there's no filter here. There's no filter here. Okay, Perfect. I put it, but <laughs> the podcast knows it's like, yes, yeah, a little censored. <laughs> Perfect. We'll bleep it out later. Perfect. Right. Um, but, but yeah, so as far as like, um, you know, finding that lowest point, you know, for, for me, entrepreneurship was not on my radar. It was, it was on my radar. It was on my radar to stay away from like mad, like here's, here's your hell no zone. Don't ever go near it because that is dangerous and awful. And you are very risk averse. So like go where it's safe and where it's safe is corporate. And so when I found out that I didn't like corporate anyway, I still didn't feel like I had options because it's like, I'm, I'm in this you know, finance world in commercial real estate, I'm maybe 2%, 2% of the, you know, um, colleagues that I have are female and the men in the, in the community, in the network are 10 years older or, or, or more senior than that to me. And they already had their tight community and they're shouldering out women. And, you know, this isn't that long ago. <laughs> this is only like 10 years ago when I left and, um, and it's still happening because the industry hasn't changed around here anyway. And, I didn't like it, but it's not like I had any options in my mind anyway. So entrepreneurship was, I knew that was scary. I knew that was no, I don't want to do that, but I went to school for finance and marketing. So like, what else could I do? And then I, I, because of who I am and how I work, like I will generate incredible quality. I will tell me what to do and I'll do it. And I'll be the best at it. Like I don't compete against other people. I just want to give you at my absolute best, whatever's possible. So I would do that. And, you know, I closed this enormous multimillion dollar deal for my company that I worked on for a year. And I was like, you know, there's cake, there's like celebration We're we've got champagne in the boardroom. We're cheersing. Everybody's excited. And I'm like, so excited to get my bonus. And like the next week comes and I get fired and I'm like, oh, what? 
uh, 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 what? <laughs> and nobody else in the company was closing any deals. So I'm thinking like, what, how, why? Like this, this was so incredibly confusing to me, but like in retrospect, looking back, I'm thinking, sure. A small family company could definitely afford to fire the person they didn't really like having around. I don't know if it's because I'm a girl or whatever, but I didn't, I didn't sense that. And I'm very intuitive. I didn't sense that they didn't like me. I got along with everybody very well. And then I give them millions and millions of dollars. <laughs> and then like, what else do you want from me? So if they did, if they, <laughs> that was it now, goodbye. We're okay for the next three years for cash flow. Um, so wow. I don't in New York state, you don't have to give a reason to, to let someone go. And in my paradigm, the idea that I would get fired never existed. So when I say this, it hit me like a shockwave. I was like, I don't even know what reality is anymore. It was like, I was like floating through dimension. It felt like one of those out of body experiences, like in the matrix when they hit you and you're like, when you like come out of your body and you're like, what's happening. So this is what it felt like for me to get fired. And I was like, gotta be a joke though. But I'm, I'm like, he's handing me an actual banker's box, like in the movies when it says like banker's box on the side and you're like, put your stuff in this. And I'm like, this is too stereotype. This is actually what you do. Oh my God. This is horrible. Like this is all my nightmares coming true. I've got two kids. I'm a single mom. I'm driving home to figure out like what I'm going to say to everybody. I like, what's even unemployment? How do you do that? What, how do I, what, where would I go? And over the course of the next two years, I put in over 400 applications and interviews in my area and I didn't get a single job. And three months into my um, getting fired, I was cut off from long-term unemployment. That was just the president at the time was like, we don't, we don't do that anymore. So I'm like, okay, I thought unemployment, the thing that I've paid into for years and years and years and years and years was there to protect me while I go to get the job and, and look at me actively pursuing a job, 400 applications and interviews actively for two years straight. And I know people, cause they're telling me, oh yeah, I don't like look for jobs. I'm like, cool with get, getting unemployment until I, you know, until something comes to me. And I'm like, well, they're checking up on me to make sure that I'm looking for jobs and I'm still not finding jobs. I'm getting blackballed from the industry. I found out later because I get these interviews and they're like, oh, absolutely. Start on Monday. We'll talk to HR. I'll get back to you in two days. And then ghosted, ghosted, ghosted. I'm like, what is going on? So that when I say like lowest point, I'm like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do now. I'm literally doing everything I can be doing and it's not working. They said that the degree was going to work. It didn't work. They said that it was safe to stay here. And to get, you know, a pension or like, not that I had one, but like retirement 401k and like work for corporate and do your job well. And then that's going to be safe. None of those things are true now. And, oh, apply to a job, get a job. Oh, you've got a banging resume and you know, everybody in the industry and the area you're like connected with power players, like everywhere. Over Still can't get a job. Even. Nowhere. I can't get, I can't even have like a, Hey, can I work as like a, a secretary? Because I am really good at this and I'm truly literally happy to stay here for the next four years as long as you don't fire me. Like I will do the best job. I still couldn't get a job. Not janitorial, not anything. And I'm like killing myself here, you know? And so I'm You're like not even janitor. Like, you know, I was like, I will I will clean your toilets at this point. I'm I'm there. This is where I am now. And but in the meantime, I'm, you know, people had people that I knew were asking, I'm not on social media, right? Like I don't do that. I never did that. I was like not a social media person anyway. So it was really like texts and phone calls or emails to people that I knew that were like, hey, can you still do that? Like, you know how you did rebranding and, and re like rebrand redesign and design and packaging and website design and stuff. Yeah, like I, I can do that. I've done that for my businesses and whatever that I've worked for, but it's not what I like. It wasn't my title or anything. 
but it brought money in and I was like, okay, but it didn't feel, that wasn't a job. That was just like some money on the side. That's not a career. That's not entrepreneurship. That's just money on the side. So like, <laughs> I didn't qualify it as that because it's like, I'm looking for my job. That's the, that's what's on the radar. And so eventually through this, through how I would deal with clients and help them, there, there seemed to be this thread of organization with, with what I did. And I ended up, I was like, you know what, why don't I just, they're asking me to organize their entire home. These people that I know that are like, seriously, can you do what you did to your house? Can you do that to my house? Okay. And then I like came up with a fee and I was like, they're never going to take it for this fee, but like, I know how much work this is. So, and they took it and I was like, this is how you make four figures in a day. This is how people, oh, okay. Like it's labor, but like this, I just killed it for them. So I started doing that. I created my first company. It was a professional organizing company, but the labor there's it's laborious and it's hard. And I'm so tired at the end of the day. And I have back issues anyway, from a car accident. So I, I knew I couldn't sustain it. And at the same time, my husband's like, I'm sick of doing this stuff with other practices in New York state with insurance and stuff. I want to open my own practice. And I was like, I don't know how to open a medical practice. I don't know how to open any physical brick or mortar. What? And, but it was like, what else are you going to do, Sandra? This, you can't do organizing like this anymore. You can't get a job. Obviously you've tried for two years. It's not happening. The doors are closing in your face everywhere. They're being slammed shut. So can you help him build his? He's a doctor. Like that's lowest hanging fruit and it's not your business. So you're not the entrepreneur, really. It's his kind of, even though you're 50, 50, it's his, it's his name. So, you know, so that was like, oh, that's risk-free. That's fine. It won't be my reputation. It'll be his if it sucks. So we, <laughs> I'm just going to hide behind that's you. A caveat, a that's a caveat that we have to talk about being an entrepreneur, but. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> so I'm using my husband as a reputational human shield in case it fails. And I'm like, his business, his practice. I'm, I'm, I'm half owner. I'm president of the company, <laughs> but like nobody knows that. And, but we knocked it out of the park and became the, um, the, in the areas, the region's highest rated all natural weight loss program in the area within 18, 20 months. And we grew into another space larger. We grew into a, a beautiful class, a, a medical office space, even bigger, um, down the road a little bit. And it was just like, so I guess I'm a business owner. I guess I'm an entrepreneur now. Is this how this goes? Like, is this, and I started to settle in, but the lowest point was like, when I lost that job and I couldn't get more despite my best effort, despite a lot of work and a lot of hunting and a lot of crying and a lot <laughs> and a lot of commiserating, I was like, this doesn't work. How is it so easy for people who suck at stuff to get jobs? People who are not very smart and I'm looking at them and I know them and I love them, but they're not very smart and they're making six figures. Like how, how? And I'm like busting my ass and I'm really good at what I do. How? And like, in my opinion, it was, just, like, I love you. I love I was, you. Honestly. And I'm thinking like, you know, these are the, these are the, I've talked about it before. Like the friends that I have that, um, one of them in particular that I love so much. He's like, so I, I love that. I would die for this guy. He's such a great guy. But I was like praying. I'm like, gosh, I hope like even McDonald's will take him when he graduates. There's gotta be somebody that takes him. And then bank of America takes him as VP for six figures straight out the gate. I was like, okay, wait, wait, a, wait a second wait a second. And I'm getting what I'm getting paid. What 50 with finance degree out of the. Right. Okay. So like everything in the world didn't make sense anymore, you know, and Do you the lowest that that's some like female versus male. And like, I don't want to put all of that on it, but there it's still, it's still in the culture. Like what, what yeah, you know, it, the, it, the I, I really shift the culture for, I don't want to say equality. Cause I'm so like balance. 
Let's yeah, just balance. For balance. balance. Yeah. But even going back to what you were talking about of, you know, you were so successful within that company and yeah. then they drop you out. I almost want to like, I want you to kind of share your perspective a little bit because we all have this invisible ceiling. Yeah. And it's almost like culturally in any corporate or then it's, it's no matter what goals you have, you're going to hit this like ceiling mm-hmm. and you reached that you were working within or for somebody else mm-hmm. and you reached the ceiling. And so does that put it in this sort of subconscious collective, um, uh, in like unconscious, what do I want to say? It's almost like, does it influence the way the I believe? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like how, it, if it influenced the way I believed about what I could do. If it's not influencing you, because I believe that anybody who goes in and has goals, and especially as women, we have big goals. We have yeah. big dreams. Yes. But it's almost like this, it's the invisible ceiling that is subconsciously ingrained in the field. And so For women. if you're in corporate, you're going to hit it. And it's like, why did I get fired? Well, because there's this invisible ceiling. And then you go into entrepreneurship and then you reach this invisible ceiling. You're like, how come I'm hitting an invisible ceiling? It's because it's in a field. So yes, you have to yes, break yes, through yes. the subconscious paradigm yes. of this invisible thing that is in our subconscious, if that makes sense. That makes sense. There's, and I feel like the way to, the way, the only way that I've been able to break through that invisible ceiling is by getting examples in the world that it's possible to, to, to take the ceiling away. That that ceiling is an illusion, that it's more of a shadow or a reflection. And I thought it was a ceiling. Oh, that's not a ceiling. That's just like yeah. light, light playing in the way. Um, and it's when I see women doing it, when I, when they yeah. tell me, oh, I did this. And I was just, I did that. Well, how did you do that? Like our instinct is to always ask, well, how did you do that? Or how did you get there? Or what did you, then what? That's you know? a perfect caveat because that's exactly what we're talking about is mm-hmm. yes, you get the, the inspiration of the vision of what's yeah. possible for you by watching other women, but then that exact how, so I, I want to like, what were, let's, let's dive into some tangible, like what were yes. those challenges that then you had to overcome? What were obstacles that you were just like, Oh, I hit this. And then what did you do about it? Like, how did yes. you get over that hurdle to then keep going and breaking through that ceiling? Okay. So, so what I found out pretty quickly, I think with the brick and mortar space was that, um, cause I don't think I had time to develop any kind of a, um, any kind of safeguards or, or barrier, um, blowouts with the organizing company. Cause I went very quickly into, um, the brick and mortar with the, with the mm-hmm. clinical office space. Um, and so it's, I don't know how to do this. I've never created my own brick and mortar before. And I don't know anything about how the back end of a medical office works or um, wellness office into works. Into entrepreneurship. It was almost forced like forced right in. Yeah. And, 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 and very professionally so, because there's a standard, there's like a best practices for something like this industry. And so I have to learn everything from scratch. So I'm constantly Googling, figuring out, asking questions that are like, so it's, how did you do this? How do you do this? So whatever I can grab that actually works, I, it's not about like, what's, what's a better way that feels better for me. It's just like, does it work? Can I put it in the system and make it go? Okay, let's go. Cause I, right. I have four kids at this point. I have, you know, a husband, we've got to figure out how to get patients. We have no patients. We have zero patient roster. So how do I get patients? Right. And, and I don't like that. The reason I quoted is I don't like that term because it's like collecting people. It's like, like, you don't want, you don't want them. You want their money or something, but it's mm-hmm. at that point I'm coming from corporate. You get things, you put it on the sales uh, pro forma, you, you add to the list. It's all about the numbers, you know? So that's where I was at with mindset. And so I'm looking for tactics to do the things that are supposed to be put into this machine to make it manufacture the revenue, you know, yeah. in the end. And, yeah. um, and so it was, 
like when it came to strategies and tactics, I'm looking, I'm comparing, I'm digging for everything that works online and wherever, and I'm plugging it in. And as soon as it works, like as soon as I find out, well, how do you, how do you, how do you acquire new patients? Well, let them know that you're out there and that you're doing business. So I, you know, publicized, I got on social media for the first time in 2009 or 18, 19. And I was like, ew, gross. Is this what Facebook is? I've avoided you on purpose for 20 years. What's happening? Uh I'm a hypocrite. And then, um, (laughs) and then letting the like, um, kind of tertiary or adjacent, um, medical industries know that we're there and then talking to them about what we do. And then, so I guess, you know, I'm just, what's the next step. If I, if we have to do this and we definitely need patients, what do we do next? What do we do next? And I'm asking questions. I'm, I'm connecting and I'm, I'm not necessarily making offers, but just like inviting them to come here and, you know, doing all of those strategies that you hear about. And when things started to work, I didn't think about why they started to work until much later. And it's like these strategies that I picked up there, I could have, I could have picked up a million of them. Like there's a billion different things I could have done. But when I look back, I'm like, the reason that worked so well is because I didn't have resistance to that one. In fact, that's why I picked it in the first place. I didn't, that didn't scare me to do it that way. That felt good. I felt hopeful about that one. Like, I don't want to knock on anyone's door. I'm not doing, I'm not going to go around with flyers in the community and be like, we just opened a wellness practice. Does anybody want I Like, I'm not doing that. So what does feel good to me? What can I do? And then, so, but that was the through line. That was like the point of connection between everything that worked and was successful for me was what feels good. So I have a question with that though, because you made a brief little mention about like, and you know, it was super, super quick. You're like, oh, I feel like a hypocrite because I jumped on Facebook when like you were so anti that, but there was something that you had resistance around. And I'm just using that as a one example, because there's so many things that like, okay, we can't just wait until we feel good to do it. And I'm saying we, whether that's women, entrepreneurs, collective, like it's a we thing. We can't just, oh yeah, I feel good. And now I'll do it. Because there's those moments when you don't have patience, when you feel like you need to pull yourself off of the floor and there's nobody around to do it. Mm -hmm. but you. So that's what like that resistance that was in you using Facebook as the catalyst or the thing that you had to step into, but there was still something that you had or some version you had to become or something you had to like dive in and like extract. (laughs) Yes. Well, let me talk about that. Let me tell you about that. Cause that's, that's great because it's, it's a matter of when I was saying that like the things that worked for me were the things that felt good. I didn't necessarily feel good at the time, but the thing that I was looking at felt like a good road to take. It felt good. Like that didn't, that road didn't look like it had a barricade on it. So I'm like, I'll go down that road, you know? So then the, the Facebook thing being the lowest hanging fruit, the, the, I didn't feel good about Facebook, but when it was framed to me, well, you have to open a Facebook account in order to create a business page. And I was like, okay, well, I don't want to be on Facebook. So I'll just like have a page, but I won't do anything with it. And I'll be on the business page as the business and nobody will know it's me. So I'll be hiding behind this business. And that for me was like, that's a compromise I can do. Cause then I'm not exposing myself. Yay. Like that was me being like, I'm still hiding. I'm not a hypocrite yet, but give me a mouth six months. And then, so I'm like, I'm doing this. And that's when, you know, over the six months period, that's when I found out that people didn't want to interact with the business. They wanted to act, interact with a person. So they want to know who you are behind the business anyway, regardless of what you're doing. And I was like, that's branding. <laughs> that's yeah. Branding. yeah. <laughs> Oops. You have to. <laughs> oh, 
thought I could get out of it. No, you can't. But what is that thing that like within you? So I love hearing that, right? What was the thing that like got you to make that shift within you? What emotional shift or beautiful, you know, something beautiful. What's the internal, right? Because there's a lot of external focus. And I think I have to tell you why I didn't want to in order to tell you what it took to do it. Okay, I didn't, I didn't want to um, open a Facebook account. I never had MySpace or any of that. And it's because I heard about all the drama behind MySpace. And I, I saw my roommates opening their Facebook account and talking about what other people were doing. Yeah, right, right. What's MySpace? And then talking about what other people were doing or what they were wearing, or where they were going. And I'm like, oh, this looks like gossip central. I don't do gossip. I don't, I'm not comfortable talking about people. I don't want this. So that's my resistance to social media was, if you expose yourself, even with the best intentions, you are allowing yourself to be a victim of other people's opinions and uh, of subjectation, subjectation and for them to just throw fire at you and you have to take it. Like, I'm, I'm not here for that. I have very, I'm, I didn't even watch the, I've never watched the news or read newspapers, even when I was assigned it in university. Like I won't do it because it makes my heart hurt. I don't want to do it. So I protect myself around these things. And um, I saw Facebook immediately as this like cesspool of comparison and judgment and feeling bad about myself when I was already feeling really bad about myself in general during those years, like really bad. And um, so to get on, to get past that in, in a world where I'm feeling forced into this, like, oh, here's another thing I have to do in order to be successful. I have to compromise to be successful. Like, I don't want to be in this man's world with this like real alpha old boys network and do the way they do. And it doesn't work anyway, by the way, because I'm a female. So doing it their way won't be accepted. And so like not, it, it felt very forced. And when I saw a couple examples, it, was just, it just took me a couple. And there were a couple men and women examples online for me where I was on Facebook as the business, you know, looking at the, as the business page. But I was seeing people's examples online with these really big hearts, these doctors that were like loving and doing Facebook lives and like featuring their patients and making it about everybody else. And I was like, yeah, that's what that feels good. You can do it like that. Okay. Yes. Like I would do that. I would do that. So that's kind of what, you know, featuring them, telling their stories, highlighting them, being proud of them, being excited for what we've been able to do and create and help people with. And, and that didn't feel like bragging. That didn't feel like I would take heat from that. Like I would be a victim of, you know, uh, judgment or anything like people are going to judge no matter what, but I didn't want to be I didn't want to have to deal with that kind of criticism because I was so even just like nervous to be an entrepreneur, period. I didn't have the emotional bandwidth to handle it. Um, So mentally, I thought, well, I can do that without resistance. I can do that without fearing that I'll be attacked by people like I'd been bullied growing up. You know, these are all the things that I tried to protect against. Um, And social media sounded like a really horrible, like target on your back to be, you know, exposed publicly. Um, but when you make it about like when I made it about the other people and when I saw other people being kind hearted and really generous and loving and just helping online, I'm like, that I can get behind that I can do. Was there a version? I so resonate with that, right? Yeah. Taking the focus out of whatever the resistance and making it about like what feels good to community and building yes. like that kind of aspect. That's always what it's about. I love that you shared that. Mm-hmm. Um, what epiphany or did you have to become a different version of you? Yes. Yeah. Immediately. Yes. Um, because I had to get okay with the idea that I was an official business owner. And I didn't feel like that without a certain amount of money because I come from businesses that made multi-million dollars a year. So like, unless you're doing that, you're not really a company. You're just like doing a thing, you know? And so 
But I think it was also through the process of, listen, lady, you're incorporated. You have an accountant, you have a bookkeeper, um, you have a lawyer, you, like you're a company now. So, you know, handle it, deal it with it. Like, how did you walk in the room when you were like advocating for a client who was doing a deal for $34 million? How did you walk into that boardroom, Sandra? Walk like that in here. This is your company. Why would you represent them better than the people here? And you, by the way, are helping people save their own life. You're helping people like reverse, um, you know, type two diabetes. You are helping people getting people out of surgery. Like walk like you own that because that is way more important than somebody else getting like their pockets fatter than they already are. Start, start advocating for this business. Like it's going to help the world because it already is. So it was kind of like, why are you being small and uncomfortable? Why really what in, in the asking enough whys? like, what are you doing, Sandra? And why are you acting like this? And why aren't you stepping into it? Like, why aren't you acting like a boss that you are? Like you act like it for other people. Why don't you act like it for yourself? I didn't feel like I deserved it. I didn't feel like I could um, be taken seriously as a girl who just started this thing coming from this man's world that I was trained to think that girls aren't that powerful and didn't have that much of a voice. And they had to fight for a voice at the table. And so who would take me seriously anyway? What if it doesn't work? I don't want to embarrass myself and act really proud and excited and, you know, um, open and, and I don't know, uh, boss, like in this business that what if it fails? Like, I don't want to be embarrassed. I'm already so embarrassed that two years go by and I can't find a job. Like this is, I feel like a failure already. I can't take it. So it's like getting past the, even if it doesn't work, even if it's, even if this business fails, did you help these people get out of surgery? Did that woman testify that you saved her husband's life because he was on so many medications that the doctor told him he's got two months to live. It's not going to work. And then he lost 35 pounds of visceral fat and it stayed off. And now he's good to go and he's getting healthier every day. Is that one life worth it to you? That even if this business failed, would that have mattered? It mattered so much to me. So it was like, I can always be proud of that no matter what happens. And that's what kind of met me like shoulders back, posture up. I'm owning it. Whatever happens with this, I own it because these people matter. And what I think would be a really good question for like everybody to be able to ask themselves in those moments too, is can I feel embarrassed and mm. still become who I need to be? Woo! Can I record that and listen to it every morning? Um, thank you. I'm going to write it down. And it's a thing. It's true. It's can thing. I be in, am I willing to be embarrassed? Because it's not humiliation. It's embarrassment. It's egg yeah. on your face kind of thing. It's not... And it's not something that nobody understands. It's like, exactly. And it goes back to like, maybe even when we're in junior high, like I remember there was a moment, like what was your moment? Like the first moment that you ever felt like embarrassed? Like, oh gosh, oh my gosh. I think the first, the very first moment I remember being embarrassed, I jumped schools a lot, moving around the country a lot. So I, I know, you know what moving around <laughs> new schools is like, and um, in getting used to a new school, this is an open playground. It's in California and I'm running, running, running um, because they rang the bell and I just realized, oh, that that's the bell that means we're going back into the classroom. That's not the recess bell. That's the other one. Okay. So I'm running, running, running. And somebody calls my name. It wasn't for me. It was another Sandra, a little, a little Mexican girl looking nothing like me. It has the same name. I'm like, oh, she has the same name. And I turned around. I was like, that's cute. Turn right back around face first into a tree. I was like, oh gosh. So this is all of my new friends friends. They're like, we're not going to be friends with her now. Um, and yeah, so I was like, I can't even, I can't even walk that off. Like they all saw it. All of them. I'm talking about hundreds of kids saw that. And I was like, hi, I'm new here. They're like, obviously, obviously. So how old were, that's you? <laughs> how old were you? What grade was that? It was like, it was like eight. Oh, oh my God. In front of the whole school. 
like the whole school. Like there were, I mean, that was school. There were thousands of kids in the school, but in that playground, that play area, like, you know, those California playgrounds are like basically concrete jungles. They're just huge, yeah. expansive spaces. So everybody's there. And like the whole school recesses at the same time. So there was about a couple hundred, 300 kids maybe in that area at that time. In that moment, like if you could put yourself back in that moment for a hot second, please don't make me okay. not, not taking all these, no. <laughs> okay. from, from, from the observer perspective, right. From the observer perspective, um, watching yourself as a child, watching yourself as a, a, that eight-year-old, did you make a choice in that moment? Did you make a, did you have a deciding factor? Did you like believe something? Oh my gosh. First of all, I never even thought about this until you just asked it. So many years have gone by and I've never thought about that question. This is amazing. So thank you for the therapy session. And um, yes. And I, in the moment, now that you're asking me, yeah, it was lightning speed. How can I get out of this? What can I do to make make this look like somebody else's fault? Um, What? (laughs) Somebody put that tree there real quick. It wasn't me. See how dumb I'm not. Okay. Um, But then it was like, there's no way out of this. They all saw you hit a tree. You have to get up and just act like it didn't hurt that bad. And it didn't hurt that bad. It was the ego. Like I wasn't running at 20 miles an hour. I was eight. So it was like, like I just, you know. (laughs) <laughs> but, um, like so it was really terminal velocity, but yes, I exactly. I, I wasn't breaking terminal velocity. <laughs> <laughs> my ego did, but like, yeah, my bones were fine. And, and, uh, it was really a moment of, um, there's no way out of this. They saw you do it. You can't lie about it. You, you got to own it. It's embarrassing, but whatever. And as I'm walking out, I'm thinking, please don't look at me. I was like quietly crying out of the one side of my eye, you know, (laughs) like frozen with fear, but also thinking like, I know every, like as an eight-year-old, I'm thinking, I know everybody else has fallen. I know they've run into stuff that maybe they didn't have as many people see it, but like, they'll probably forget about it. Maybe they'll forget about it. Please God, let them forget about it. (laughs) And, and that was really it. It's like, there's nothing you can do. Keep going. Mm. And I think it, I think that sentence speaks for itself, but I'm just going to ask, like, how did you take then that belief system or that agreement that you made? And then how did that now continue to play out in your personal and professional life? How have you applied that rather in your personal and professional life? Um, you are now my um, permanent therapist and how I've applied that in the future <laughs> going forward is like, <laughs> have you done your best? Yes. Is there anything else you didn't see? I don't think so. Are you okay with the result no matter what, knowing that you don't have any more control? Well, I guess I have to be. Then this is it. Keep moving. Yeah. Because I think it's the the suffering that we create for ourselves is the sitting in the um, frustration of what didn't happen and why it didn't happen and you're mad that it didn't versus there's nothing you can do. What are you doing over there? You're not over there anymore. Come over here. Like in the present moment, please. Like let's future Yes. Like stop to get out, get out. Like that tree you're at the bottom of the tree right now. There's debris down there. It's dirty. There's probably a lot of roly polies, you know, the, you know, the zone, like get out. Um, and you could be walking to the classroom with the rest of the people getting ready for lunch. Why don't you do that? Um, yeah, it's (laughs) so we, but it's, it is fully roll it out. (laughs) Keep it going. And I like break dance out of that move. And I'm like, I did it. Like I did it. Okay. I just want, I just want to see if anyone else saw how you get up when you fall. Okay. That's how you do it. But the, the suffering, the sitting and suffering is a choice, but so many people believe it's not a choice. They believe they have to, because they're victims of that thing that happened. So they sit there and you know what? It's comfortable to sit there. It's comfortable because you know what it feels like to be a victim and you're not the bad guy. If you're the victim, Hey, 
you'll get a lot of good attention. You'll get love. You'll get pity. And pity, pity doesn't hurt for a lot of people as much as embarrassment hurts. So if it's your fault, you're embarrassed. But if it's happened to you, poor you, you'll get hugs and love and maybe chocolate and it'll be okay. So we fall into the victim role because getting taken care of by people feels easier, but you're never really proud of that in the end. And as a caveat to not be the asshole. Right. You don't want to be the bad guy. Yeah. Be a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I think that's a mic drop right. or at least a blue Yeti. <laughs> <laughs> that road mic just fell hard, but the, <laughs> but like if you're in, in the bad guy mentality, right? Like the bad guy is, it, how does that, how does that equate to entrepreneurship? If you're the, how could you be the bad guy in entrepreneurship? Well, if it's your business and you fail it, the people in your family are beholden to you. You, you are responsible for that failure. And now you got to figure out something for them. Now you got to fix it for them. You now you've made them the victim because they didn't do anything wrong, Sandra, but you failed the business. So now how are you going to feed them? How are you going to give them stuff they need? Like it's your fault. You're the bad guy. But if it happened to me, if circumstances came down on me and if I couldn't figure out, it wasn't my fault, this happened to me. And then you can live in that story. And the problem is that's fine. You want to live there. That's fine. But when you do that, just know that those are like cement shoes that you're wearing and you will be victim wherever you go. So in your relationships, in your opportunities with entrepreneurs, with partnerships, with, you know, a vacation that goes wrong, like you are a victim wherever you go. And that's like saying, that's like being in a codependent toxic relationship with your business then. Yes. Oh, wow. Yes. I mean, that's why we say everything's about relationships. You got one with your business too. And now it looks like codependency, but this is just being real. Right. And we laugh about this and I love that then like how we can have these conversations and hopefully this is creating that safe space to be like, look at it in a healthy way, laugh at it. And then you can get through it because if you can laugh at it, then you release the resistance. Yes. You can move into the future, which brings me to like, Let's dive in, you know, if you're, if you're not paying attention to the past, right. And you can release that, like you get out of the tree, you're not by the tree anymore. Mm-hmm. Then like what is possible for you and all of those visions of watching other women that you want to succeed in all of that stuff. And so I have an important question for you of what do you now hope to see for the future now slash future mm-hmm. for women entrepreneurs? Let's just generalize, right. Yeah. For all female entrepreneurs, like what is missing in the culture of female Mm -hmm. entrepreneurship that you would see bringing into that sort of community for the future? Okay. I've seen, I've seen, I think it's missing at scale, but I know that it exists in small pockets and we need to expand these pockets. So this is what it's, it's the community over competition theme all day long. Here's why, here's why this is important because well, it's intuitively important. We get it. It's, it's better. It's easier. But I, you know, I'm, an, I'm a former division one athlete. I know what it means to compete. I get it. But, but I, even, on, even on the mound as a pitcher, I never felt like I was competing against the people because it's me and my stats. I'm like, I'm, they're looking at me and my stats and they're looking at me against my last game. And well, you were able to strike out this many. What are you doing in this game? What happened here? So it's always really about me and me in the game. And so I never felt like I was competing against women, even through my entire athletic career and bringing that to the space. It it was never like, I felt like I had to do better than someone else. It was always like, I just have to keep up with what the standard is and do my best among the standard and then keep dreaming. Can I do that? Can I get into that? And so when we have, when we have this idea that, that competition doesn't exist and people think that's 
crap. Well, that's one paradigm to believe that competition is real. Because what we know is that people also go to Wendy's, McDonald's, Burger King, Chick-fil-A, like Chipotle, they go to a lot of them. So there's, it's not like if you're McDonald's, you're nothing, right? Like, or you're Burger King or you're nothing. Like you can take a bunch of stuff. There's really no competition. People go in and out of services and products and whatever they want, whenever they want. And the fact is that there is so much money in the world changing hands all the time. And there, and when it comes to service-based entrepreneur, like women like us that, that work based on who we are, it's the personality that draws you in along with the skills. So you're not going to mesh with everybody and they're not going to want everybody. So there's, and there are literally almost 8 billion people in the world. And in terms of like, if you break down the numbers and I've done this before and I can't remember exact numbers, so I won't try, but like I've broken down the numbers of first world English speaking countries, the amount of women that you could actually serve with the demographic of income that you'd probably want to attach yourself to in terms of clients, you, you couldn't serve them if you lived 200 more years, you couldn't serve all of them at max scale, working 24 hours a day. There are too many people to serve. The competition is not real. So when it comes to, it does. And, and when you're, and you're, when you're in collaboration with women and in partnerships and friendships, like you and I are with so many women that you, you pass and share and, and these clients come and go through you and with you and together. And then you grow more. It's like this big ballooning effect that happened with women. And the other part of that is that when you remove competition from the female conversation and from the female environment, when you're in a room digital or physical with women, the oxytocin that gets released with women that happens biologically when we're in community together, as long as there's no, as long as there's no competition feeling like uh, she has what I want. And I'm I'm annoyed that she has that there's envy, there's jealousy. There's eh. like, if there's none of that in the room, oxytocin is getting produced at mass for everyone in the room. What, what that means, what that matters for is the bonding effect. Number one. And number two, it's shutting down the amygdala and the insula zones in your, in your head, which are controlling fear factors. And it's opening up inspiration and creativity, giving you better ideas, more flow, more, more opportunity. And so women over like having women avoid competition and get into the collective, knowing that everybody else and their successes is evidence for you and not evidence that you can't do it and you haven't done it yet, but evidence that it's there and possible and love on them and share with them and, and, and go back and forth, be the open channel of communication. There is so much more that happens and we're so afraid that it won't, that it'll squeeze us if we get close and then we get afraid and then we have to compete. It does the opposite if we are, if we're looking at it from the right way. Yeah. Kind of like the tree. Yes. <laughs> Stay at the tree. It'll suffocate you and you keep like sinking into quicksand. But if you focus on the future, all of those yes. things. I mean, I've been such an advocate of saying that, you know, you don't compete with the girl next to you. Like if you have access to a woman yeah. that we have access to, like yeah. you don't compete to the, with the women that you have access to you, you collaborate with those women. Yes. Yes. You're in competition, just like you're in competition with like the next best version of you, you're in yes. competition, not in a negative, but yeah. you're in an inspired competition with a woman that is like so far higher achieving. Yes. It's like, oh yes, I aspire to be that, but I could yes. never reach her. I couldn't call her at home. We couldn't be on a podcast. Like, right. Right. Those right. are the women that you aspire to be in a healthy way. The women that you can access, that's who you collaborate with. Yes. That's the difference. Yes. You're close enough to like, to be next to a woman 
Like you collaborate with that bitch. Yes. Immediately. <laughs> immediately. Like share what you know, because th- that's it. the other thing too, is if I, if I tell her what I did or what I know, she might have more skills than I to take that further. And that'll make me feel like I wasn't capable enough with what I already had. That makes us feel very small. But the truth is that if you see her do something better with this, with the idea that you gave her, than you were able to do, then you go and do it too. Awesome. And then it's just like, oh, sharing information. Boop, 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 boop. Yeah, we just keep rising. What? I mean, what? <laughs> like, what's the problem? Kind of like when you were saying before, you were like, I need some strategies that work. And then who do I ask? And who do I talk to? Like, yes. what's work and what's not? But if we're sharing information to like, this works, this doesn't work, then we're getting everywhere faster. And like you said, there's there's no, like, there's enough. There's more than more enough than you can possibly serve everybody with mm-hmm. everyone's own unique individual gifts and their own energy, like, you know, you know, and I'm going to, I'm going to like tiny hard left this because where I'm seeing a lot of this show up is, and, and, and maybe we can complete on this because I want to know your views on this. And this is very new conversation. Um, so this is a surprise, surprise question. <laughs> Good. <laughs> um, where I'm seeing a lot of really women supporting women with sharing information and knowledge and definitely bringing in community and it being so important to do so is honestly in the NFT space. Like, okay. Hashtag NFT women in NFT. Like I want to, can we just for like a hot caveat? Cause it's yes. not expected, but I've been nerding out on this. And okay. If you have. Well, okay. So I haven't, I know that I haven't been nerding out like you have, but I want to, but I want, and you know that I want to, but what I will say about this is that I'm so proud of us as women for this new like erupting industry yeah. for, for the women to go, okay, all of these other industries already have the paradigm laid down. So it's obvious that we might attach ourselves to the way that it has been done in the past. And this is just what we've modeled and seen. So here we go. NFT is new. We've been, we've been seeing women swell into this community over competition idea for around 10 years, more than that, but like really pick up speed based on social media's effect. And so we've, we've, we see this, and this is a brand new industry. It's a brand new idea. And women are seeing that the, the model that they've been able to adopt among women, the women who do, the model they've been, uh, been able to adopt among women in the service-based industry where they are big on collaboration, where they are big on cheerleading other women. And then NFT comes along and they're like, girls, I only hear guys talking about this, right? Like guys are all, like the guys are the ones that start- it's What's lower that? than that, actually. I think it's lower than 16% of women are in this industry. Right, right. Super, super low still. And so the, the men are the ones who have all the voice on this. Surprise, surprise. Like, this is how the world goes. So, but the women who are jumping in, yeah. still 16% on a brand new industry when all of the other industries were essentially created by men. Okay. So and here we go. Go it's ahead. not just that, though. It's the value system of this sort of culture Mm-hmm. Like to me, I see it as, okay, if our goal is to always set a higher standard for each other as women, as the community and culture that we're building together yeah. as female entrepreneurs or in corporate, like just women in work, right? yeah. yeah, women who are up to doing something ambitious, big vision, women, yes, powerhouse women, the culture is about community collaboration. Like that's the value system as a foundation. As a foundation, as it so started. An opportunity to like level up in a new culture. So this is this is why I'm so proud of, of the women who are yeah. doing this because it's like, 
this, even though it's an, yet another industry that's been kind of created and, um, and announced by men. Great. Like men get to, men do great. There are so many great men in the world. That's great. It's, it's right. We need them and we love them, but the women, right. And, but the women coming in so fast, so fast and initially and at foundation with that value system, like you're talking about with that sisterhood mentality, it's like, do you see how fast that worked? That 16% of smart driven women are coming together like this. And then boom, like this 16% is the beginning. It's not going to stop there. And the, the more that the more those women are talking in the conversation, like in like how you and I are right now about that and encouraging other women, women to come up. It's like, wait, there's so much more room at the table because we make our own tables. We make our own tables here. We may- <laughs> yes, we make our own NFTs. Right. We make our own after we we make the rules. And so there's no resistance. There's no glass ceiling there either. And and oh yeah, isn't this evidence that community over competition works so freaking well and so much faster? Because that's what you need in this industry, especially is the brain space, the creativity, the ideas, the the access. Right. It's perfect. I'm so glad you brought it up. I'm so glad you did. So good. I made this comment before where I was like, okay, there's only 16%. I'm like, that's it. I'm like, I'm starting a women's like NFT community and I'm going to call it non-fungible vaginas. <laughs> NFTs. Let's go. Yes. I mean, what? they're really not fungible to be quite honest. They're not. <laughs> I, I, we've tried. They're not. We tried. They're not. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but yes, we, it's, it's, it's time, right? Like bringing everybody okay. together on all levels, because it is also still a caveat and a catalyst yeah. to then, I shouldn't say catalyst. It's another opportunity to yes, create that community and then support everything that we're doing outside of. Yeah. That yes, absolutely. So it's, you know, with then, like I said, the foundation of culture, community, yeah. sisterhood, like it's yeah. okay. And I think I honestly, because the the small pockets that I've been in and that I've led it with that sisterhood um, value, like element as a, as a staple, Mm -hmm. the collective is so full of love and growth and support. And people are not resistant to sharing ideas or their best ever kept secrets about what worked for them. I'm seeing things in here where I'm like, oh my gosh, coaches hold back on this stuff. Like I see coaches say like, oh, you don't, you don't get that information. So you pay me. And these women are like, here, take it. Like, I don't care. Everybody needs to know this. There is no competition because use it however you use it and you'll be great. And it's amazing. We need more of that. So if anything, what, what is missing in the industry, what we need more of is for women to, to put down their, like put down their weapons and just like open their arms and go, come on in. Like we got, we don't have to fight about this anymore. We thought that there was no room at the table because men made us think that for so many years and decades and centuries, but actually, in fact, we make our own tables. Come in. We birthed them. We just, we really, <laughs> we birth tables. We birth tables out of our brains and our, Shoes. and our vaginal canal. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. And every opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's about inclusivity, you know? So that include, like I said, that includes men. Like it's because whenever I like, even we're talking about women's communities, right. And even if it's non-binary people who either identify with no matter what they yeah. identify with, yeah, exactly. Everybody together, just it is. we're, we're making sure that these pockets of community are strengthening and shifting mm-hmm. culture and then bringing everybody together. So well, that's, that's right. That's because I think that I, the, the goal is for everybody. It's for everybody, but the women have such a difficult challenge because women are kind of a chokehold of this, like a bottleneck right. oftentimes because of the competition that we feel like we have to have because of how it's been set up for men in the world. So yes. 
so so if we could break down that bottleneck and open open up the channel then everybody men women like non-gender specific like whatever like humans yeah. humans yeah. can do it right together absolutely mm-hmm. amazing fucking love you <laughs> i love you i love this therapy session <laughs> I, I i love cleaning up my past with you <laughs> all for the purpose of supporting everyone moving forward to their future <laughs> yeah, exactly nfes for life you're such a badass. And I mean, you are the epitome of how, how I consider right powerhouse women and what that means in the value system and just setting that standard. And that's why I've just, I'm, I'm excited to have you be a part of this series and I can't wait to to have everyone else enjoy you as much as I do. (laughs) Oh, good. This is, this is why you're the best at this. You're, you're hosting this kind of conversation for women because you're leading from the front and this is the, these are the conversations. This is the elevation, the hope and the excitement that women need to feel that all of us need to feel um, in order to keep going because there's, you know, like, you know, kind of last thing is this. Yeah. Right. Like we're going to have it. We're going to like, we talk about my lowest point and, um, and what that felt like and how that really was the catalyst to push me into something else. Um, and I realized, oh, this is like the safest thing I could do. This is the least risk averse I could do. Um, but, but there are at every level that we go, even if it's like, oh yeah, I hit a $5,000 month. Oh, I hit a 10,000. Oh, I hit a six figure month. Oh, I hit that. You still feel at every level. Like you could never do it again. Like there's a moment of you, even if it's just a moment, like what if I can't? That's a plateau. That's it's a plateau. A plateau. New, Every time. New height at, or new bottom at a higher level. Like Exactly. And yeah. so it even feels worse or more intense because it's like, oh my God, I have higher to fall. Like you're looking yes. down the mountain that you just climbed and you're just like, oh my God. And then what if I fall? And then I'm embarrassed. Right. <laughs> and then I hit the tree. Ooh. And then I hit the tree. Yeah. And then everybody saw and it's like, nobody's looking but you. But nobody's looking. Yeah. Yeah. And just drop it like it's hot and then come back <laughs> and do a break dancing move and roll out and be like, and do a break dancing and do it in some Louboutins and you're good. <laughs> you're fine. They're red bottoms. You'll get up again. It's fine. This is <laughs> so good. Oh my God. I love you. But okay. I think, I, yeah, I think expecting the plateau is like being okay, be, not expecting it where you're like pulling it in, but being okay, knowing that it's going to be around just like fear doesn't go away. It's fine. We can deal with it. No, but I like how you said that. It is expecting it, not to prep yourself, not to brace for an impact, but yeah. to have awareness of, yeah, I'm going to hit a plateau and then I'm going to climb another mountain and I'm going to get through because I'm going to learn a different challenge and then I'm going to hit another plateau. Yes. And you're going to experience those. Like if growth is your goal and yes. you have big goals. Yes. Right. Just do it in red bottoms. <laughs> Just- just put the shoes on. Just I mean, they the look fantastic. On. Yeah. Just, that's who you need to be, right? At whatever if anybody's looking level. at anything, they're looking at the red bottoms, not Absolutely. the tree. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, one of my favorite sayings that I start, you know, it's like you have bigger goals, like get better shoes at every next level. That way you also get options at every next level. Hey, right? That's why there's too many shoes in my closet because I hit those next levels. I'm like, Listen, I, I got a, a brand, a brand new fresh set of Nike Air Maxes right behind me and there I haven't even go. worn them yet. Thank you. you. Um, <laughs> Amazing. Oh my God. I've been, this has been so fun. I'm so happy that you jumped on. Um, tell everybody you have, where, where can, you know, what are you open for? Are you open for people? Everything. Know, I mean, I, like, what are you? 
Yeah, I have. I mean, the best way to reach me is probably through Facebook or Instagram, but I'm always open to email as well. But everything is on my website at sandrahasley.com. And so like all my social channels and all the work with me opportunities and all just the information and everything you can get access to there. But I have tons of like trainings on my Facebook page that are free and I do free live trainings like throughout the year as well. So that's uh, probably my probably my Facebook page is the best way to get access to everything. Okay, cool. Awesome. And all of that will be linked as well, but just, yeah. So reach out to Sandra if you have questions or like checking out her stuff. Um, and I adore you and you're such a badass and thank you. I love you. <laughs> so much, so much fun. I couldn't wait. This is highlight of my week for sure. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to the Lead Like Her podcast. I'm so happy you're part of the community. Be sure to subscribe for future episodes. And for more of my expert tips, strategies, and upcoming offers, join the Lead Like Her newsletter by visiting my website at sarahdelane.com.